Roku No Baller. My name is Chris Rawl. It is Friday, July 9th, the end of the week. On today's show, game two of the NBA Finals. Giannis explodes in a good way. His teammates explode in a bad way. Phoenix wins. There's all sorts of things to be gleaned from the fallout. Before we get there, we're going to talk about gambling, a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It is currently illegal in the state that I live, Utah, and I'll give one reason every single day until our politicians get their heads straight and legalize sports gambling today. Uh, I bet on the NBA Finals last night in a wide variety of ways. The one bet I will talk about is campaign. I bet his point total over seven and a half points. Campaign, he's the backup point guard for the Phoenix Suns. And this represents a great underrated aspect of gambling and an underrated enhancement that can go alongside of an NBA Finals game. Uh, betting on a bench scrub to exceed their very limited expectations. So campaign's expectation, seven and a half points. I say, we're going to ride with the over. I'm going to get a nice energy jolt in the small amount of minutes that he's on the floor. I got to have him score more than seven and a half. He ends up playing 10 minutes on the night. So I have 10 minutes for him to get to eight points. And it is shocking how entertaining this can be for somebody who enjoys sports in general. Unfortunately for me, last night, campaign, he pisses his pants. He scores two points. He doesn't do anything. Uh, It was not a good bet. It was fun for a brief, brief moment within these 10 minutes, and the rest of the time I was just frustrated. However, it gives us today's reason why gambling should be legal in the state of Utah, because what else on planet Earth will make you care about the 10 minutes a backup point guard plays coming off the bench? And now, a word from our presenting sponsor, Traeger Grills. With your masquerading always Traeger invented the original wood-fired grill over 30 years ago in Mount Angel, Oregon. They continue to lead the industry as the world's number one selling wood-fired grill, perfected by decades of mastering the craft of wood-fired cooking. You can find out more at TraegerGrills.com. The lost performances of the playoffs. On June 4th, I recorded a show all about this very topic. And today is a day to circle back to it because we had another one of them last night. Um, At the time I recorded it, it was after game five of the first round. Blazers against Nuggets. Dame Lillard had just gone nuclear, 55 points, 12 assists. Uh, and the Blazers lost. They ended up losing the series in six games. And it was one of many individual performances we've seen this year in the NBA playoffs, where a player went out of their mind and their team ended up losing, whether that was within the game or within the series. Uh, We saw that the next round with Nikola Jokic against the Suns. His team ended up getting swept, um, but he had, you know, an incredible performance there in game three. Uh, Kevin Durant against the Bucks, multiple games where I watched and said, that's as good about as anybody can play basketball. Uh, and the Nets ultimately succumb to Milwaukee. Uh, Donovan Mitchell against the Clippers, Trey Young against the Bucks in the conference finals before he gets injured. Go down the list of all these people that are now out of the playoffs that had just incredible individual performances, uh, ultimately in losing efforts. This is a constant theme that I always love talking about, and I always love realizing it in real time, uh, because I think it's very easy to understand how incredible the performance was as it's happening and even in the days thereafter. And as time goes on 
and we look back and say, ooh, Kevin Durant, he ended up losing that series to Milwaukee. What does that mean for his legacy? Why did his team lose? Uh, it, it almost turns into a black mark on the player's resume, whereas in real time, we all understood how good it was. Uh, it's a story of a large portion of LeBron James's career. The entire first stint with Cleveland, the latter half of his last stint with Cleveland, just an incredible individual putting together these incredible performances over and over and being dragged down by their surroundings. Uh, a reminder that we always need, uh, no matter how good you are, it's impossible to overcome that, uh, especially once you get into the playoffs, especially when you get further along in the playoffs and you're going against the very best teams. The very best team is always going to trump one individual talent that does not have help alongside him. So last night, we have a great example of this. Game two of the NBA Finals. Suns beat the Bucks by 10, 118-108. But where I want to start is with this subject, the lost performances of the playoffs, because the thing that I enjoyed most about last night, it, it came in a losing effort. Uh, it was Giannis Antetokounmpo going out of his mind. We're going to start with a tweet from StatMuse. The last seven 40-point games in the NBA Finals. Giannis, last night versus the Suns, LeBron versus Heat last year. Jimmy Butler versus the Lakers last year. Steph versus the Raptors 2019. Durant versus the Cavs 2018. And then LeBron versus the Warriors in 2018 and 2017. What's interesting about this is that all but two of those, Butler against the Lakers last year and Durant against the Cavs in 2018, were in losing efforts. Um, and this was really reflected last night for those that watched the game. Uh, Giannis alone on an island. One of these lost performances of the playoffs, joining a surprising list within the recent past in the NBA Finals. Steph and the Raptors, uh, when Durant's gone down, Clay Thompson's gone down, he's the man on the island. LeBron, obviously, with later stage Cavaliers against the Warriors, that's the ultimate one-man-on-an-island type scenario. Giannis was that last night, uh, and I loved everything, and I mean everything about his performance. A dude who was truly just there for it. You saw it from the opening tip. He's flying around, he's doing all the Giannis stuff, he's engaged. Uh, his physicality, it's unmatched in the NBA. He can just get two spots on the floor in a manner that, that combines speed and strength in a way that really nobody has in present-day NBA with LeBron getting later uh, on in his career. So last night, Giannis, he puts together a stat line that we all just sit and marvel at. 42 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 blocks, 1 steal, 15 for 22 from the field. 11 for 18 from the free throw line. That's not great, but for Giannis, you will take it. Uh, the one real glaring flaw within his game remains that, the free throw shooting. And I'm going to get into that in a second. But he plays 40 minutes, uh, carries <laughs> pretty much the entire workload for Milwaukee on both ends of the floor. In the third quarter, when the Suns are trying to put the game away, Giannis is the only reason that they don't. He scores 20 points within that quarter. First player since Michael Jordan in 1993 to have that many points in an NBA Finals quarter. Uh, truly a, an incredible performance from Antetokounmpo. Just a force of nature. Uh, last night, I'm marveling at a dozen plays, probably. He's running full court and dunking on people. Uh, he's doing that multiple times. He's snuffing out sons at the rim when they think they have an open lane, and suddenly he's there, and he's blocking it with these arms that just stretch out into infinity. He's grabbing tough rebounds against another great rebounder in his own, rate, in his own right, DeAndre Ayton. 
and he's showing no signs of an injury that occurred less than two weeks ago that I thought would put him out for eight-plus months. Uh, and instead, he just looks physically like he's always looked. The comparison that we always hear thrown around with Giannis is the modern-day Shaq. Um, he goes about his business in a slightly different manner, especially as a ball handler and the ability to attack from the perimeter. But he does channel a lot of that physicality and speed on the interior that early Shaq did. Orlando Magic Shaq that was slimmer, running the floor, catching oops, breaking backboards, all that kind of stuff. Uh, And a lot of Giannis's interior stats and the efficiency with which he scores the basketball in the key, the only parallel in history is Shaq. That's where that comes from. And Shaq is one of those people who is celebrated for being A, an all-time great, and B, a person who just contributed to a lot of winning. A handful of championships with the Lakers and one championship with Miami. Ends his career with four total, and we all celebrate him as those two things. Credible basketball player, consummate winner. And for good reason, right? And Giannis is... He's being celebrated for the first part of that equation as the modern-day Shaq. Yeah, incredible basketball player. Look at these numbers. A lot of them, they compare to what Shaq was doing uh, throughout his career. But has not won yet and is now down 2-0 in the NBA Finals. And I look at that and I think about one of the themes that I'm always bringing up, situation. And I go, what's the big difference between Giannis so far and Shaq's career? And I start to look at his surroundings especially last night, but just in general. And I go, yeah, Shaq had the exact same flaw that Giannis has. Inability to hit free throws consistently. And we all kind of like laughed about it because it didn't matter that much in the grand scheme of Shaq being a successful NBA player. Because in the last six minutes of playoff games that were tight, he had teammates that were the very best at taking that particular time frame over Uh, Kobe with the Lakers and Dwayne Wade in 2006 with the heat. So the one flaw that he had, it wasn't really that prominent because for 42 minutes of the game, that was your best player. Go and just murder the opposing team in the key and they will be unable to stop what you want to do. And then the last six minutes, Kobe take the reins and, and go bury him. Dwayne Wade do the same thing. Giannis has not had that in his career. And so his flaws are really magnified within that stretch, especially the free throw shooting, because it's hard to run a crunch time offense through a player that is shooting 54% from the free throw line in these playoffs, because the opposing team just says, if he gets even a sliver of daylight, hack him, send him to the line. The crowd is going to sit there and count down his free throws, and they're going to be loud as hell. And it's going to be really hard for that person to continually make two free throws every time we foul him. So best case scenario, they're getting one out of every two free throws. Sometimes he's clanking both, and it just rattles what Milwaukee's trying to do. And and part of that is about Giannis. Yeah, I mean, he's got to get better at shooting free throws. That's just a fact of his game. At the same time, I don't think we would be as hard on Giannis if filling that Kobe and Wade role, uh, it was somebody different from Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. So that leads us into last night's game. And those two players specifically. Uh, The surroundings that are contributing to Giannis being on an island last night. Uh, Middleton, he's had a really topsy-turvy playoffs. Up and down, up and down, up and down. 
Five for 16 from the field last night. Uh, does not do a lot of things positively for the Bucks. We've seen him do great things this year, you know. Uh, when Giannis went down the last two games, Middleton played an enormous role in being able to close out the Buck or the Hawks in Game 5 without Trey Young and then the Hawks in Game 6 with a hobbled Trey Young. But again, it's been topsy-turvy, up and down, up and down, and up and down. Drew Holiday, the other part of this Milwaukee Big 3, and I say that with really hard air quotes, he has had a mostly down playoffs. Last night, he is 7-for-21 from the field. That's on top of Game 1 when he was 4-for-14 from the field. That's on top of a continual struggle on the offensive side of the ball throughout the playoffs for Drew Holiday. Uh, This is notable for one main reason. Because he was brought in to be a supposed upgrade on Eric Bledsoe, the prior point guard in Milwaukee, one who had very noticeable flaws and could not fill that last six minutes of a playoff game offensive role that Milwaukee really sorely needs. So they ship out Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday. And in order to make this trade work, Milwaukee gives up a boatload of assets. Two first-round picks, two first-round pick swaps, and Eric Bledsoe shipped out to the Pelicans for Drew Holiday. So when you're trading that much for a player, the expectation is going to be pretty damn high. Especially when you say, you don't need to be the best player on our team for 48 minutes tonight. You don't even have to come close to that. We need the perimeter defense that we know you can always bring. And in the last six minutes of games that are tight, we need you to be a better scorer and creator than Eric Bledsoe was and a complement to what Chris Middleton is trying to do within that same time frame. Uh, And instead, we've seen a different story from what Milwaukee wanted Drew Holiday to bring to the table. Uh, And there's a very interesting thing going around last night when it comes to Drew Holiday's production versus Eric Bledsoe's production. Uh, And I want to read a tweet from StatMuse that illustrates that. Eric Bledsoe playoffs shooting splits with the Bucks. 41.1% from the field, 25.4% from three, 73.2% from free throw line. Drew Holiday playoff shooting splits with the Bucks. 41.1% from the field, 29% from three, 67.3% from the free throw line. So this segues into a tweet from Dan Devine about Giannis. Giannis is now averaging 31 points, 14.5 rebounds, 4 assists on 63.6% shooting through two finals games, and his team is plus 4 in his 75 minutes and minus 27 in the 21 minutes he's sat. End quote. So you see another theme come to light that I always am talking about. You are only as good as your situation. Um, Giannis has been awesome, especially last night. About as good as you can expect a player to play a basketball game. He's plus four in 75 minutes of action in this series. And in the mere 21 minutes has sat, he has sat, his team has gone minus 27. Uh, like I was having so many flashbacks to LeBron James on the Cavs last night. Because those on-off splits mirrored what used to happen with LeBron. LeBron would move heaven and earth to be barely positive in the vast majority of minutes his team would play. You know, he's playing 44 minutes a night, and his team's plus two in those minutes against incredible competition. 
And in the four minutes he would sit, they'd be minus 12. It was happening every single night, every single night, every single night, over and over. And, and that's what happened last night with Giannis. That's what we've seen through two finals games. Um, the situation around him is failing what Giannis is bringing to the table. And if the Bucks end up losing this series, which right now seems likely, I think they're plus 500 to come back and win. Um, he will ultimately be the one who pays in the eye of public perception because we always will gravitate to the biggest star. And we'll always say, well, your team didn't win and you were a part of that. And so now uh, we're going to hold you accountable for your team's failings. And yeah, Drew Holiday, he's been the exact same player as far as shooting splits are concerned that Eric Bledsoe was. Yeah, you traded two first-rounders and two first-round pick swaps for him. Yeah, Chris Middleton, he comes and goes. Yeah, there's not a lot of other players on your roster that can step up and take over a game. But Giannis will hold you accountable because we know you shoot 54% from the free-throw line in the playoffs. We know you've struggled with that in the past. Sure, you're putting together 42 and 12 uh, and stuff like that, but your team lost. Uh, and we're going to hold you accountable for that. This is where I always push back and say, one individual can only do so much. Giannis last night, great, great, great reminder of that. Uh, and on the other side of the court, the Phoenix Suns show how true this particular line is. You're only as good as your situation uh, because this team is all about situation and fit and role. Things I've talked about many times on this show when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, and we see that again last night in a winning effort. Devin Booker, he's the star of the night. He's the one that I think most people will talk about when it comes to the Suns winning. And he was excellent. Uh, 31 points, six assists, five rebounds, seven for 12 from the three-point line. Seemed like whenever Phoenix needed a three, he just bashed one home. Um, he killed him at the free-throw line in game one, the aggressive attacking of the basket. He's 10 for 10 from the line in that game. Last night, he kills him from behind the arc. Seven for 12 there. Uh, just a well-rounded, versatile scorer from all three levels. And he can hit you in any one on any given night. When all three are going, you're going to lose because he's going to score 70 points. Um, and when one is clicking, it's still really hard to beat the Suns because there's so many other contributions that Booker and Paul and Aiton and these stars get from this roster. So Booker plays well. He gets, you know, more contributions from Chris Paul. The unstoppable guard combination I talked about in game one, mid-range killer, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Paul, he has 23 points. He has eight assists. He's 10 for 20 from the field. He does have an uncharacteristic six turnovers. It wasn't his best game. But again, Phoenix is in the position where you don't have to have A-plus games from anyone on your roster on any given night. Because this situation accentuates the strengths of everyone on the roster. And so you can give me a little, you can give me a little, you can give me a little. And together, the sum of their parts is always greater than the individuals. So it's not a perfect game from Paul. Not a perfect game from Booker, although he was the best player on the floor for Phoenix. But you see these contributions from every single area. You see the situational fit of all of these pieces. You see DeAndre Ayton last night, who he didn't have a great offensive game. He only has 10 points. He shoots 4 for 10 from the field, which for Ayton is pretty much like going 0 for 25, considering he shoots 70-plus percent in every game. But he finds ways to contribute. This is the thing that I love about DeAndre Ayton in these playoffs that's coming to light. He will always find a way to impact a game. True measure of a valuable player within the playoffs. Last night, it's defense and rebounding. 
He's got 11 rebounds. He's got four assists. He's got three steals. He's got two blocks. He's just continually finding ways to leave an imprint on a game, even on nights that he's not scoring 25 points and dunking on everybody. He's always there as a rebounder, always, without fail. And the versatility with which he plays defense, it's a stark contrast to a lot of what we've seen from other big men in today's league, where they get singled out and, and, and tried to attack from the opposition. Gobert in the Clippers series, Brooke Lopez in this series. There's a lot of that style of big man defender that teams hone in on it. And they haven't been able to do that with Aiton. Uh, he's just, he's kind of cut from a slightly different cloth than a lot of these other traditional big men in today's NBA. Uh, the unexpected star of the night, Mikael Bridges, their starting wing, who always finds small ways to leave an imprint on the game. And last night, it was a lot bigger. He starts the game by swishing multiple corner threes. He ends the game by swishing all of his free throws as Phoenix is ready to close the game out. He finishes with 27 points, 7 rebounds, 8 for 15 from the field, 8 for 8 from the charity stripe. Uh, and in addition to his offensive contributions, which were vast for a player like Mikael Bridges in this game, he always will bring perimeter defense to the table. One of the better wing defenders in the league. Uh, one of the reasons that Phoenix is able to hound Holiday into poor shooting nights in both games. One of the reasons that they're able to hound Middleton into a poor shooting night last night. Uh, it's the situational fit. Phoenix, just everybody contributing it, it's really something that I love watching about this team. You know, team basketball, it's always my favorite version uh, as a viewer, seeing the ball whip around, the play that happens at the end of the first half when everybody touches the ball, zip, 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 and it ends with Aiton at the rim, laying it up. That's the style of basketball that I, as a viewer, love more than any other thing. Um, and that's what Phoenix brings to the table. Star power, depth, everybody working in unison. Uh, we see that reflected within their three-point shooting last night. Jay Crowder, who's ice cold 90% of the time, he's not last night. He's, he contributes 11 points, 10 boards, 3 for 5 from 3. Cam Johnson hits a couple three-pointers. Torrey Craig hits a couple three-pointers before injuring his knee. As a team, Phoenix goes 20 for 40 from three-point land, which when you're doing the three-point game, look at the discrepancies between teams. The Bucks go 9 for 31. Uh, the Bucks, who are traditionally a pretty good three-point shooting team, that is a 33-point gap. That happens between those two teams last night. More than enough to provide the winning margin. And one that makes me think just like, it's really hard to win when there's that big of a gap. So to illustrate this, I want to read a stat from Andrew Lopez of ESPN. Just about this three-point shooting stuff in general and the margins created between uh, teams. According to ESPN stats and information research, teams are 735 against 348 losses. Win percentage of 70 0.8% this season, including the playoffs, when a team hits more three-pointers than its opponent. When a team hits at least 10 more three-pointers than its opponent, as the Suns did, those teams are 99-13, and 13, win percentage of 88.4% this season, including the playoffs, and have won six of seven such games in the postseason. End quote. So you see last night, it, it's just... It's too steep of a hill for Milwaukee to climb for a variety of reasons. The three-point shooting stuff, I mean, this season, you basically have a 10% chance of winning a game that you get outshot by 10 or more made three-pointers. When you factor in just the lack of contributions outside of Giannis as a team, 
<laughs> that percentage. Last night, it dwindles down to 0%. But in general, it's just almost impossible to win a game, even when you have a star performing at that level, if you don't find contributions elsewhere. Uh, you are only as good as your situation. Thing that I will always circle back to, like a vulture just picking, picking, picking again and again and again. And it's the thing that I'm continually struck by every single time I watch the Suns play basketball and take into account the skills of each player on their roster. That this is the absolute perfect basketball situation for every single individual player on the team. Uh, And because of that, because of this idea, you're only as good as your situation. Uh, We're seeing the Suns where they're at. So I'm going to wrap up the show with a quote from Tim McMahon of ESPN that just ties into this and all of the themes that I've talked about within this episode. Phoenix has stars capable of carrying the team, as Chris Paul did in the previous two games, and Devin Booker has done on multiple occasions during his first postseason. But the Suns individuals rarely, if ever, try to do too much. The trust on this team is apparent, a testament to Coach Monty Williams' guidance, Paul's leadership, and the young core's maturity. The result? A beautiful brand of basketball that has the Suns two wins away from a title. Thank you for listening to No Baller. This podcast can be found on any platform of your choosing. If you could rate and review and help spread the word, it would help me immensely. If you have additional feedback or thoughts that you want incorporated into the show, please email me at chris at thebeehive.com. Last but not least, if you would prefer to listen to this as a video, go to thebeehive.com and find No Baller.